We're going to look at Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to talk about the heart. Here's what I encourage people to do as you read the Scripture. Just And this is what I do. Sometimes just right in the middle of reading the Scripture, I come to a verse, and I don't know exactly what it means or how it applies to me. And it's not that I want to know how to interpret it as much as I want to know how to apply it to my heart. And so sometimes I just stop and have a really brief prayer and ask God to show me what he wants me to do through this passage of Scripture. So I want to ask you to do that with me now. Let's pray. God, we're going to read your word. God, we know that it is holy. It is set apart. It speaks to our hearts. We know that your spirit works through your word. So God, please show us what you would have us to understand and how you would have us to live. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture reading is Matthew chapter 15. Jesus has just walked on the water. It's amazing the the, uh, little things that happen here. You go from this high, spiritual, amazing, godly work. And the next thing you know, he's got people coming up from Jerusalem challenging him. They aren't talking about walking on the water. They aren't talking about feeding 5,000 people. They aren't talking about the Sermon on the Mount. They want to know, why don't your disciples wash their hands? It's just kind of the way it always works, isn't it? And so he, he comes and And so these are the things that happen. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God For the sake of your tradition. For God said, honor your father and your mother. And he also said, anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God... They are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah the prophet was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples, who obviously 
had a respect for the scribes and the Pharisees. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. Both, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain to us the parable. Jesus said, I feel like he said this to me a time or two, are you still so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. A week or so ago, I, I read a, a, an article that I read. It's a, it's a newsletter. It comes out by email, of course. It comes out every week, and it's about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is how do we deal with with the emotions of our lives? How do we deal with all of the things that we react to? And it's a wide-ranging thing, and I, I appreciate this guy so much. His name is Justin Bariso, and he, he was writing the title of this article. I almost put it up. The title of this article is Monkey See, Monkey Do. And I'm thinking about my mama and me. And how many times she said, monkey see, monkey do, talking about me, talking about my little brother. And I never thought about monkey see, monkey do, except it was always in a negative light. But I went ahead and read this, and he tells where we get that little phrase, monkey see, monkey do. Of all the animals, monkeys are the most imitative. They are able to see what you do and then imitate it. And so we get the phrase, monkey see, monkey do. And, and what Bariso says is this, that we humans are awfully a whole lot like that. That we move in packs, that we move in droves, that we see what everybody else is doing and we imitate it. And if everybody's doing it, we always associate that with teenagers. If everybody's doing it, I need to do it. But all, all of us, it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, we're, we're all like that. We, we become like the people around us. It is monkey see, monkey do. Who knew that there would be a scientific study about this kind of thing? But Bariso says there is a scientific study about following the pack, about becoming like everybody else around us. 
So here's the way, here is the kind of heart of the study. They set up a camera in a doctor's office where they were giving eye exams. They had the typical waiting room. I can see my doctor's office. About 15 tables all around the room. And people around, some of them picking up those mindless magazines that are there and looking at them. And some checking their email. And if, if two people came in and knew each other, they talked softly and sometimes talked loudly. And that's the waiting room. Well, in this waiting room, everybody there was part of the experiment. They knew what was going on, and they knew what they were supposed to do. The next person in the door did not know what was going on and had no idea that in this case, it was a woman that she was the heart of the experiment. So she walks in. She goes into the waiting room. She finds a place to sit. You know how we always do that. If there's an empty chair here and an empty chair here and a person here, we don't know where to sit. So we're, we're trying, she's trying to figure it out. She, she goes in, sits down, gets comfortable, gets waiting, doing whatever she's going to do to pass the time until her name is called. Then all of a sudden, there is a loud, long beep and everybody else in the room stands up. And she can't figure out what is going on. After a few seconds, they sit down. A few minutes more pass, there's another long, loud beep, and they all stand up. And she still can't figure out what in the world is this about. By the time it beat the third time, she stood up with them. She proved the experiment. We just kind of do what other people do, and we become like them. At this point, they started calling people to the back, even though they weren't going to get their eyes examined. They called them to the back, and she's the only one left in the waiting room. And it beeps again. And all by herself, she stands up. Bariso said, but it works the other way, too. He talked about how do you get beyond that kind of thing? He, he said, you ask why. And he said, you examine the meaning of things. And is this good or bad? Is this right or wrong? Does this, in, in the way you and I would say it, is it pleasing to God? He says, you ask why and you think about it and you think through it. And you, and I don't know about his faith, so I'm going to put my faith in there. You think biblically. Does this please God? Does this fit into the heart of God? When I read the scripture, what does it tell me to do? And he says when a person does that and they stand on what they believe is right, it also works the other way, that people will stand with us because we've been brave enough to do so, because we've been courageous like David, the shepherd boy, 
and we've gone out in the name of the Lord. Look at this passage of Scripture. Everybody in Israel, not out everybody obeyed the law, but everybody knew this was the order of the day. And when the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus, that's what they were saying. We all wash our hands. Your disciples don't do so. What's up with this? Why don't they do so? Now, before you jump to conclusions, this is not about hygiene. It's not about cleanliness at all. The law said that you're to wash your hands. I've often said if, if, if third world nations would just follow the teachings of Leviticus, what a much more healthy world there would be because there's a lot of that in Leviticus. So they washed their hands. It wasn't an, an idea about hygiene. It was about ritual. It was about the tradition of the elders. They didn't say, why don't they wash their hands? They did wash their hands. Why do they not follow the tradition of the elders? Now, here's what we know about, about this. Let's, let's make Moses down at this end. It's about 12 or 13 or 1400 B.C. But just for good round numbers, let's make it a 1,000 years before the time of Jesus. And he gives the law... And the longer that they go along, the more copies of Scripture. And once they have the synagogue, and once they have the temple, and once they have the tabernacle, the law of Moses was read. But just like what we're doing, I mean, we're not standing here, okay, we stood up and we read the Scripture, and nobody says anything about it. In the synagogue, someone would read the Scripture, and then they would give teachings about it, much like I'm doing now. So those teachings about the law, not only was the law repeated, but the teachings about the law repeated. And then they would take the teachings about the law and they would write it down, kind of like a commentary. And then people, I mean, you got a thousand years to do this now, this is not like next week and last week. You got a thousand years for all of this to happen. And so then they would come over here and they would teach about the writings, about the teachings of the law. And that is a very unscientific, unprofessional description of the tradition of the elders. And the Pharisees said, you've got to be like us. So what does this teach us? Four things that I see. Number one is this. Follow God's heart. It's become popular today, especially about marriage and romance and love. It, to, to say follow your heart. No, it's not follow your heart about anything. Because my heart is descriptive of the way that Jesus said, out of the heart of a man comes all kinds of evil things. 
That's who we are on the inside. It's because of our rebellion. It's because of our ancestors, Adam and Eve. It's because of, of, of who we are, of our choices. And we need to follow God's heart. We need to know what he says. And all of this is giving us the word of God. It's showing us a different way to live. We shouldn't be like everybody else around us. We shouldn't follow the culture of our day. The culture of our day will lead us straight to hell. And there's no other way to really say it. But God will lead us to eternal life. We follow God's heart. We, we, we must make sure that whatever the tradition of the elders are today, that we don't get caught up with it, but that we think biblically and that we seek the Spirit of God and we humbly come to Him in prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do and how do you want me to live? Or a way that I put it that has meant so much to me through the years is, God, is there anything in my life with which you were not pleased? God, is there anything in my life that you want me to do that I'm not doing? That is to follow the heart of God. But the people of Israel were giving lip service to God. Jesus quoted Isaiah the prophet. I'm going to turn to Isaiah 29 and read you the verses exactly that he quoted, almost word for word. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth. They speak well. They honor me with their lips. Remember that Jesus one time at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, not all those who say to me, Lord, Lord, are going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And that's what he was talking about. They're, they're using the right words. They're using the right formula. They are near to me with their lips, but they are not near to me with their hearts. But in fact, that's exactly what it says. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. And Jesus quoted those words and he said, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words about you. And the words of Isaiah were 700 years before the time of Jesus. We have to make sure that we don't have a lip service kind of worship. You know what that's like. It's so easy. We come here at church. We know church language. We know the language that doesn't fit church. We know the language that fits church. We know biblical words. We know the right things to say. And we come to God and we give him lip service. But we don't pour out our heart to him. and We don't worship him from the heart and we don't give him our heart. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus, Jesus said, you take the law and you make it say what you want it to say. So uh a man, and it would have been a man in that day, a man could come to the 
scribes, the Pharisees, the rabbis, somebody religious, come and say, I have all of this land that produces all of this grain, and I want to devote it to God. Now, to you and me, well, wow, that's a great thing to do. But there's no wow in it, I promise you. There's nothing that would be significant or meaningful or godly or worth a wow to talk about. Because what they would do is they would say it's devoted to God. You think that it's all used for God, but no, it's still theirs. All that has happened is what they owed to their mother and father and in that society, a son, the firstborn, was to take care of his mother and father and their only means of living was a son who took care of them. And so they used the law, they used the teaching, the tradition of the elders to nullify the law. They made honor your father and mother nothing. We need to follow God's heart. Second thing that we need to do is we need to emphasize love and compassion. Because it was hard to find love and compassion in the Pharisees. It was hard to find any love for anybody else. There's certainly no love for parents here. They're finding ways to get around that. And then they're calling it biblical and they're calling it godly and they're calling it pleasing to God. But all you have to do is go back to the scripture and you know that is not the case. What God wants is love and compassion. After all, the scripture says, God is love. And when you live out love as it comes from God, as it is defined by God, not defined by the world, but as it is, it is defined by God, then it shows that you are of God. Because God is love. I, I love the words of the Apostle Paul, but be kind. He was talking to the church. Put away all anger and malice. One of my favorite verses, but be kind, compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving as God in Christ has forgiven you need to emphasize love and compassion and not just talk about it, but do it. Fathers and mothers need to forgive their children. And grown children need to forgive their grown parents. Husbands and wives need to quit looking for every fault in the other and forgive and love their spouse. And remember, love is an action that changes the heart and changes the mind. That's what God wants. 
And when I read this passage of Scripture, I see God emphasizing that in my own life, emphasize love and compassion and forgiveness and caring and kindness toward other people. Because number three, emphasize human dignity because that's what the Bible does. It emphasizes human dignity. It tells us that everybody is important. Think about all of those people in Turkey and Syria. Almost all of those people are of another religion. It is easy for us to kind of, kind of put them at arm's length because of that. But they were created in the image of God. They came from God. God loves them in the way that he loved you and me. God sent his son to die for them. We need to emphasize human dignity. We need to look at Scripture and let God speak to us deep in our hearts to change our hearts, to make us new people. You remember Frank Turek a few weeks ago, early in January. He was here, and, and he was here to talk about apologetics. Remember why, why you should believe and why you can believe. And he went back, and here's what he said, and he said it again when I spent some time with him that afternoon. He said, Genesis 1-1 is the most important verse of the Bible. Because if you don't believe Genesis 1-1, none of the rest of it counts. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the rest of the chapter goes through everything that was created. Let there be light. Let there be a firmament. Let there be the, the birds of the heaven. Let there be the animals. And then this verse that, that everything goes back to. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in the likeness of God so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27 really puts it to the heart. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Your dignity, my dignity doesn't come in how much money I have, how many places I've been, how much power I have, how many sermons I preach, how loud I get. It comes from the fact that I was created in the image of God, and so were you. And we all do weird things every now and then. But that doesn't take away from my dignity in Christ or your dignity in Christ. And it doesn't take away from the fact that every life is precious. And that life should be honored and preserved, prayed over and cared for. 
and that we should take our understanding from Scripture. We should think biblically, and these verses tell us that. Jesus always went back to the beginning. When they asked him about divorce and about marriage and about human sexuality, what did he say? For this reason, he always goes back to Genesis and he goes back before the fall into sin. And what were they to do before the fall? They're to be fruitful and multiply. All I can, all I can see is that God desired for the man and the woman to be one from the very beginning. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, stick to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That is a beautiful thing. I used to have a hard time understanding exactly what it meant. Does it mean physically only? Does it mean spiritually only? Or does it mean spiritually, physically Mentally, emotionally, physically, does that, is that what it meant? But here's the way I finally figured it out. For, for years and years, I've seen husbands and wives, one dies and the other just, just feels like part of me is not there. Well, that's, that's hard. But it is so beautiful because it is God's plan. So before sin, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. In Genesis 2, before sin, God put Adam right in the part of a garden. Adam, you're here to till it and to keep it. You have a job to do. Our dignity comes from the, the scripture from the word of God for God working in our midst. This is God's plan. There's a fourth thing that this tells us. And at this point, I want to make it personal. Because remember I said I often find myself, I would get to this passage of scripture. Where, where Jesus says, out of the heart of man. And I will stop and, and I will pray. God, show me what that means. So here's what I think it means for me. I think God is telling me, Waylon, you need a heart that pleases me. And your heart needs to be devoted fully and completely to me. And this needs to be the kind of thing that you think of again and again, and you offer yourself to me. Isn't that what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture? It's not what you put in the mouth. It's what comes out of the mouth. And, and apparently he was thinking about evil words and about harsh and rude and, and angry words. Uh, later on, when you, when you start reading through Mark, you find that Mark is, is writing the same, about the same event, but he, he gives a few additional words that obviously Jesus had used. Jesus said, don't you see that nothing that comes, that enters a person from the outside can defile him? It's not the outside that defiles him, for it doesn't go into the heart, but into the stomach. 
There's a big parenthesis in Mark. This is interesting. There's a big parenthesis that says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now, we think we are almost certain that Simon Peter was behind the writing of the Gospel of Mark because Mark probably was a teenager when Jesus was teaching and preaching and when he was crucified and when he was raised. But but Peter was a full-grown man and was there, was an eyewitness and was the, the behind the scenes in the writing of Mark. We think that Mark's mother, that her home was where the upper room was. And so he was very close. But remember, Simon Peter always had a problem with clean and unclean. And Simon Peter had a problem with Gentiles. He had been following the tradition of the elders. And only in this gospel does it say, in this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And one day, not long after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Peter was praying and had a vision from God. And the vision told him that there were going to be men coming from Caesarea. And whatever they asked him to do, they were to do. Those men were coming from a Gentile by the name of Cornelius, who was a worshiper of the one true God. And God had given him a vision and told him to send men to Joppa to a man named Peter, told him where he was and everything and to bring him back. And Peter went in obedience, not knowing what he was going to get, and entered the home of a Gentile, which, according to the tradition of the elders, was taboo. He entered into the home of a Gentile, and Cornelius had all of his friends and relatives. And when Peter came in, I can't imagine getting to preach with this being said. I simply cannot imagine. We are all here, and we're here to to hear what you have to say. And Peter begins to preach. But before he gets to the end of it, they the Holy Spirit is fallen on all of them and these Gentiles are saved. Peter says in this, he was declaring that no man is common or unclean. And Jesus went on and he says, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. Man, do we have a lot of lewdness in our society. Envy, slander, arrogance and folly. I had to look up the word folly from the Greek language. What does it mean? It means a senselessness. Or one definition was moral. I had to think about this a while just to envision it in my mind. It is moral wrongheadedness. We have a lot of folly. All these evils come inside and from inside and defile a person. What do I need? I need a heart that pleases God. But apart from God, 
I can't have a heart that pleases God. How many times have you tried to say, I can do better, I'll work harder? We can't do it. But when we come to God and offer ourselves to God and open ourselves to Him and ask Him to change us on the inside, God, this is the way I feel about things, but I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to be different. I can't do it, but you can do it. I'm willing to do so. I need a heart that pleases God. And so do you. So would you take a moment and just say to God, God, I want to please you with my heart, with who I am on the inside. And I want you to be honored and glorified in me. And I want to do what pleases you. It may be that you've never come to a point of repentance and confession before God. But you today have been, the Spirit of God has spoken to you and it's so evident to you. Would you come to the front and talk with the pastor? Would you come here and pray? Would you make powerful, important decisions for God. Let's stand together. And I'm going to pray. And at the conclusion of my prayer, the music will have begun. The pastors will be here at the front. We invite you to come. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for its power. Thank you that you speak to us by your spirit through your word. God, help us. We want hearts that please you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come now as we sing together.